1: My name is Donna Opoka and I am here again. I'm back to share the announcements with you. Please join us after service for fellowship where we gather downstairs for a few nibbles and beverages and keep the conversations going. The women's group is also meeting today at noon to share ideas and start planning some events for the year. And tomorrow night at 7 p.m., our Critical Conversations is resuming. That's at 7 o'clock on Zoom, where we come together to cultivate love, healing, understanding, and change in our world. Our undecorating party is this Saturday from 12 to 4. So let's come and have fun and help Matthew and Reverend Kelly Take down the Christmas decorations in the church and the sanctuary. The library grand reopening is next Sunday with a presentation by our own Carl Schluter on his book, Two Soul, The Unseen Stuff of Life. That'll be from 1130 to 1230. So you don't even just come down, have some, some beverages and fellowship, and then we go right into it. I will be sharing details about the library and our upcoming book drive, and Carl will share nine key points from his book, Two Soul, and he'll autograph his books if you want your own copy. It's time to renew your annual membership so we can update our church records and submit a membership count to Unity Worldwide Headquarters. You must renew your membership to vote in the annual meeting. That's going to be coming up in February the 19th. So just go to unityfh.com, click on About Us, fill out the form, and you're in. We very much appreciate that. Eileen Lindbergh is our prayer chaplain for today. And she will be available to you at the back of the sanctuary for prayers after service. Prayer requests can also be placed in the prayer box on the counter outside the sanctuary. They can be emailed to prayerchaplains at unityfh.com, or you can call the prayer request line, 248-702-0010. You can also receive a monthly wellness call from our prayer chaplains. You just need to fill out the form on the podium out in the library. Bobby. So if you don't know how to pray at UnityFH, you have not been paying attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. So to, <laughs> to stay aware of everything going on at UnityFH, please visit our website, unityfh.com, check, check out our Facebook page, or read through our weekly newsletter, emailed out every Friday. And now, as our music team sings, Surely the present. Let us prepare our hearts and our minds to hear the daily word (laughs) and for our opening prayer and meditation.
2: for the reading of the Daily Word for today, Sunday, January 8th, 2023. Our word for today is freedom. And today we affirm the divine presence within guides me to freedom. And our message reads, At times I may feel hemmed in my circumstances, limited by lack of opportunity, or faced with an unwelcome situation and no good choice. When that happens, I may feel anything but free. Rather than despair, I find my freedom in God and the limitless expression of my divinity. Shifting my perspective from the limits of the world to the expanse and perfection of spirit, peace fills me. I relax and remember that no earthly trouble is greater or more enduring than God. I claim the power of God and feel a strength beyond mere human strength. As moment by moment, I release limiting beliefs and reclaim the power I have given to my problems. Spirit lives in me and as me. The truth is my freedom. This truth is my freedom. Today's scripture comes from 2 Corinthians 317. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let us pray. I invite you to gently close your eyes and take a deep breath. Let your attention float down into the center of your chest, which we call our heart center. Let your mind relax and be open. let your heart feel the presence of God's love. Let your body release all tension, all tightness, stiffness, and move into the peace of God. It is from this sacred space that we pray. Mother, Father, everything God, we thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, your love, and your glory that radiates within each and every one of us to the, de- to the degree that we let it be. We ask for your guidance to let it be more brightly. That your power, your presence, your knowing, your love radiates so deeply from each and every one of us that it takes us a min- minute to get used to the radiating light. We open our hearts and minds to hear your message. We activate the faith within to be that presence of your message. We open ourselves up to trust and have faith in you completely. We thank you for your mighty gift of love that loves us no matter what and teaches us how to love others the same way we love you and ourselves. And as we continue to breathe in deeply, gentle, slow breaths that relax our bodies, we exhale, releasing all that no longer serves us, and settle into your presence. Settle into your peace. Settle into the knowing that right now where we are, You are, and all is well. Let us just sit in that space just for for a little bit. That right now, where we sit or where we stand, God is right here with us, and all is well. Let that knowing radiate every aspect of your being. And right in the center of your brain, let that knowing be activated that you may spiritualize your faculty of faith, trusting God and having complete faith in God. Our hearts are filled with gratitude, and we thank God for this new year to open up into our new nature, our new expression of a higher awareness of God's presence, our relationship with God, our expression of God in this world. In the mighty name and nature of the indwelling Christ, we pray, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. Amen. And now let us affirm our statement of being together. God is all both invisible and visible. One presence, one mind, one power is all. This one that is all is perfect life perfect love and perfect substance i am an individualized expression of god i am ever one with this perfect life perfect love and perfect substance and now let us affirm our u of h growth affirmation feeling the expansion in our heart as we affirm it for the church together we give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls and sanctuary and classrooms with seekers and teachers of unity truth, fills our hearts with love and joy, and provides us with all of the necessary resources to co-create a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world.
3: Face the waves and I don't wanna be afraid and I don't wanna be afraid and I don't wanna fear the storm just because I hear the roar and I don't wanna fear the storm I don't wanna fear the storm Let faith rise up, O heart, believe, let faith rise up in me, let faith rise up.
2: That is a deep song to me. I remember when I first asked them to sing it um, because I was going through something at the time and um, that song came on the radio. I listened to 102.7 and I like the songs that are on that station and it came on at that time and it just touched me so deeply and I love when you sing that song, Laurel. It's a beautiful song um, when you really look at it. I'm uh, just taking a minute to get centered because the words of certain songs, like the words of that song was touching me. And when it says, let faith rise up, um, oh, heart believe, let faith rise up in me. That's been deep for me. When I was growing up, my father called me Doubting Thomas, which is interesting because Thomas in unity represents July, which is the month I was born in. So... He, he used to call me Doubting Thomas because I used to have my moments of doubting God. And now I, that song speaks to me, let faith rise up, oh heart believe, let faith rise up in me. And so I'm just resonating with that energy and letting it uh, just quiet down a little so I can hear for today's message. Um, We're gonna start back on finishing up the parables. Um, We stopped for a minute for Advent. And so now I wanna go back. And so today's parable is gonna be the parable of the wedding guest. And that's the title of my talk today, the parable of the wedding guest. And um, one of the things I want you all to do as you're hearing the stories, because parables are earthly stories with a heavenly message. So as we move into this month, of January, which is the month that represents faith, I want you to open yourselves up to have the total trust and total faith that even if the, the parable doesn't make complete sense to you, that your heart will open up, your mind will open up, and when it's time, it'll be dropped right down where you get it. Does that make sense? Because sometimes we'll get a message and we'll get... Uh, we will hear something and it inspires us and we're not quite sure what the meaning of it is but that's a beautiful place to be in because it's hitting us on a spiritual level and when it's ready it'll drop down to the human level so that we can be the expression of it. So just let it take its time to resonate within you. I want to say happy new year to you. I said that last year, I mean last week but I want to say it again because this is going to be a powerful year for us of spiritual health and well-being. Health and wellness. So the parable of the wedding guests is in Luke chapter 14, starting in the first verse. This is before the parable um, that I'm going to go into, but I want to just give a kind of a backdrop. Um, Jesus is in, is uh, invited to have dinner with a, lead, a head of the Pharisees. Um, I'll read the first verse. The first verse says, "One Sabbath, well I'll read the that part." One one Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. He had dropsy. And uh, Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? Now, the reason he's asking this question is because the Pharisees were very much connected to the letter of the law. And actually, a lot of the laws that were created were to try to give some understanding that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who were religious leaders, they created these laws to try to give some type of deeper understanding to the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments said that you will honor God on the day of Sabbath. And so they're trying to um, figure out how. So they put all these limitations and restrictions on what to do on the Sabbath day. And in the Bible, in um, the Jewish tradition, the Sabbath is actually on a Saturday. When Christians came along and started changing things up, they changed it to a Sunday. So Sunday is not really considered the Sabbath in the Jewish tradition, which is what Jesus grew up in. It's on a Saturday. So I feel led to honor you, Sue, in this moment. Because you are Jewish. But you come and you and you go to the temple on Saturday, on Saturdays, you do your, your religious, you do your peace. But then you come here to get a deeper understanding and an expansion of who you are. And there are some who else, Elliot grew up Jewish. There's some others who grew up Jewish too. And I do my best to honor, honor that Jesus was Jewish, not Christian. However, in the space of unity that's expansive, I love that we honor all religions and we bring them in to speak the truth. And she's an example of that because she goes and honors how she grew up but she has an expansive heart that's open enough to come here and share with us. And she's been in unity for years. So I honor that in you, uh, Sue. I honor that in you. Um, And anyone else who has that open heart where you're still honoring how you grew up, but moving in a a deeper understanding so that you can be a deeper expression of how you grew up, I honor you as well. I honor you as well. I just felt led to say that. I'm following spirit. Now, one of the things in here with Jesus teaching this teaching is that he wanted them to know that the Sabbath was created for us to honor God. Not for us to put restrictions and limitations on our expression of God. So we are, we are, we are, that day is held to aside to rest from actual work, but it is not to rest from doing good. And healing someone is an opportunity of doing good. And so Jesus is asking these Pharisees this question, and, and they're not answering because they knew that if they said no, that it is it, that it's wrong to heal on Sabbath, then that would get them in trouble. And they also literally brought, had this man there to test what Jesus would do. And I love how Jesus always hit them in, with the truth always hit them with the truth and asked them a question for them to answer it. And then when they were left speechless, he told the truth. So when he asked that question, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day? It says when they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Now what that really talks about spiritually, Pharisee represents those who follow the letter of the law, the restrictions uh, or the the word and what it's supposed to be. So you follow the rules and you follow the rules literally without opening your heart to the spirit of the rules. So now someone's dying on a Sabbath day and you don't, in the a, in a spirit of God, heal them? Someone's hurt on a Sabbath day and you don't, in the spirit of God, help them? He goes on further to say, um, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow... Falls into a pitch, a pit, don't you rush to get them out? And no, they couldn't answer that either. Because when you're caught on the surface letter of the law, when you're caught on just reading it and trusting what it says on surface letter, love on the surface, you don't have a deeper understanding of a spiritual awareness of it. I suggest to you all. There there's parts in the Bible that are are historical, and then it is inspired by God. But it's not just the words that matter. It's the meaning underneath that matters, and it's how you live it in your life that matters. So as we live it in our life, there are several ways we do it. According to how it is back then, and then according to how it is in your life right now, and then seeing yourself in that situation, and then also on a conscious level. Does that make sense? So we have to go deeper even when we can identify ourselves in there. I can say and confess that I've had moments where I have been very uh, letter of the law Pharisee, where my heart was closed and I was like, well, there's no way they could have done this or whatever. And I've had my heart closed and I'm my, my heart is opening up more and more to see the spirit and the motivations and the intentions behind stories. Like, for instance, there was this guy who got on a bus, and I've told this before. He kept, got on a subway, and he had his three kids with him, and they were all over the place. And he was just sitting there kind of just uh, not even right, regarding them and just kind of in a daze. And people were like, this dude isn't even, you know, paying attention to his children. He doesn't even know what he's doing. You know, he's just disrespecting and neglecting his children. Well, someone came over and sat down beside him and said, wow, your children are pretty active, huh? He said, yeah, they are. He said, well, they just lost their mother. And now I have, and I'm the only one that can take care of them. She did that. I, I don't know what to do. We're all lost. Now there's a different context there when you look at it from the spirit instead of the judgment. Everybody's sitting there judging, thinking these kids are unruly. These kids don't know how to handle the loss of their mother. He is sitting there seeming like he's neglecting his children. He doesn't know how to handle He had just left the hospital with his children and got on the subway. How many times do we do that? We look at a situation on the surface level and we judge it. Before we even talk to somebody, we judge their behavior. We judge what's going on. You're coming from a Pharisee consciousness. And Jesus is saying, go from the heart. Go deeper into the spirit of the Ten Commandments. The main part of the Ten Commandments is to teach us to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then move into a space of being that expression to others from that relationship we have with God. That intimate relationship we have with God. That intimacy we have with God, which is, into me I see, the presence of God in me that I will express to you. Does that make sense? So this part of that is important before we go into the parable of the wedding guest. So now we'll go down to verse 7 in chapter 14 of Luke, and it says, Jesus teaches about humility. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. Now, look at this. They're waiting to try to trip him up by bringing someone who's sick because in the Jewish tradition, they considered you defiling yourself if you touch someone who's sick. Now, he catches them and brings them into a space of if you're coming from your heart... There's no sickness in you, and he touches the guy, and the guy becomes healed. They can't say anything about that, so now there's, but they're, because they're so busy scrambling for a seat to be next to the person who is the guest, who is the, um, the host of the, of the banquet. And back then, in the Jewish tradition, and it may still be that way now, I know it's that way in society. If you got money, if you got prestige, if you got all this, then, you, then people are exalting themselves. They want to be around the person who's the host. They want to be around the person who invited them. They want to spend that time being seen. And that's what these people are doing. And they didn't have chairs and tables back then. They had low tables, and they had these long, like, lounge couches. So they're trying to get in the middle and lounge next to the host. And Jesus is watching them scurrying to try to get to the seat first. You ever play musical chairs? (laughs) That's exactly what I thought about, with musical chairs. So this is the advice God, Jesus gives them. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place for you. Then, then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who, are, who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is kind of a deep thing. And what I love is that Jesus had t- t- tackles both sides of this story this situation. So we're going to see, he's talking to the guests who are scurrying around to be seen and be around the, the host. And what Jesus is saying is, you're exalting yourself and sitting here. Now you get comfortable in getting your seat. Everybody else is seated. What if the guest, the, the real guest of honor comes in and you're sitting in his seat? You're going to be made to get up and in front of everybody else, now you don't just pop up. You got to kind of get up from your laying down position, stumbling upon everybody, and then walk down embarrassed to the last seat because everybody's trying to get the seat next to the host. Of course, the last seat's in the back. So now you're walking past everybody. How many times do we get exalted and think we have an answer, think we know something, and we end up not knowing it? My father said, Confucius, say. It's better to be quiet and be thought of it as, a, as a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> but he, he said that to me a couple times. <laughs> I think I need to talk to my daddy. <laughs> but that's the truth. When you puff yourself up and you're really not in a position to accept, accept that space you put yourself in, and in the eyes of God, we are not all puffed up any more than anyone else. In the eyes of God, we are all God's precious, unique expression of the Christ within. And the moment you try to take a place above someone else, you're putting yourself in front of that person. You're going against the spirit of how you were created to be. And the embarrassment or the feeling of going back is the drop that you have in yourself when you realize that's not the place where you're supposed to be. We are all created to love each other equally and be expressions equally. And the truth is, we're more powerful when we support someone and be in the background than when we're up in the front in the circumstances. It took a lot of <laughs> One of my worst fears was speaking in public. Seriously. This was a huge thing for me to come up and speak in public. And I still get nervous, especially when I'm not clear what God has completely for me to say. And I tend to sometimes compare myself to other ministers and like, well, I don't sound like them, and I don't link everything together like them. And that's because that that part in me Sometimes wants to be better so I can shine. And I'm learning to be humble myself, to step into confident humility. Does that make sense? And when I do when I realize, because I always have to tell myself this, it's not you that's speaking anyway. It's the God in you that's speaking. God may give you the ideas. You may come up with the first time you've ever said it before, but where did it come from for the first time you ever said it before? It came from the Spirit of God within me. And so when the Bible says that those who uh, exalt themselves will be humbled, it means those moments that you move into a space where you're puffing yourself above everyone else, it is a false... I don't even know the word. Puffing up... (laughs) It's a false exaltation. It is best to humble yourselves and be the expression of God's servant and stand in support of others. And in that space is where you shine the greatest. Does that make sense? Then Jesus goes on to talk. Now, he's talking to the guest here And he's demonstrating a space of a a lesson of humility. Coming into a humble space before God. Because God will, the spirit in you, will always bring circumstances to bring you back in your place when you puff yourself up. Seriously. So it's always good to stay in harmony with who you are by staying in the presence of love. Because when you go into a space of trying to go above, You're going into a boasting arrogance that goes out of alignment with the presence of God. The presence of God states oneness, different expressions of oneness. When you try to go before and ahead others, you're creating separation. Does that make sense? We're not created to express separation. We're created to express oneness and love for our fellow neighbors. And that's the best way to demonstrate love. And it happens when you have that deep relationship with God. No part of you wants to pull someone behind you and sit in front of them. Every part of you wants to support and hold others up. And I love that in this church, when people walk in, they feel that presence of God holding and hugging them. I don't feel like there's cliques in this church where we have this group that's all up exalted and no one else is. Everyone in this church is regarded as a beautiful, divine expression of God. Amen? Amen. And I love that that is how you all treat each other. And there's no this is my seat and this is my seat in our church. We're okay with sharing and seeing this service from different aspects and different areas and different places in this church. So if you sit in a space usually where you're used to it and someone comes, we don't go over and say, hey, you're in my seat. There's churches that do that. And I'll say, is your name on it? And one time someone said, yes. I'm like, okay, I'll get up. Because in some churches, they pay for the name on the back of the seats. But here, every seat is equally open to everybody. Amen? So now he talks to the host, and he says, then he... Um, When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, and rich neighbors. He says, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. He says, instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Now, what does this mean? This is a deep one, too. Because the Pharisees did invite each other, they did invite their friends and family and the rich people so that they can get repaid back. It was, I'll do for you, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of thing. But that wasn't showing the spirit of love, that was showing reciprocity. There's a difference of showing the spirit of love with hospitality there than a feeling of friendship and kindred feeling that will bring, get something back. Jesus is saying here, he's not saying don't invite them, period. He's saying don't only invite them to the party. Extend the invitation to others. And later on, we, when we did the, um, later on in the chapter is a, where Jesus is talking about the wedding garment. How, how, when, he, how when the king invited everybody, uh, all the big big wigs and they didn't show up, So he extended it to those who were poor and lowly, which they would consider. Meaning that the kingdom of heaven is for everybody, not just those who are prestigious. I I read read his story. I think it's called The Old Shoemaker by Leo Tolstoy. And so this um, older guy who's a shoemaker, it's around Christmas time, and he's, he just got finished reading and he's about to go to bed. As he's laying down to go to bed, and I'm ad-libbing it to how I remember it, he hears his voice saying, I'm going to make sure you're by the window tomorrow because I'm, and, and, and invite me in when you see me. And he feels it's the presence of Jesus. So he's so excited. He gets up and he makes some shoes and gets these shoes ready for Jesus. And he he, just, he fit, and then when he wakes up in the morning, he gets some warm food together and some warm something warm to drink, sitting on the on the um, by the sto- by the fireplace, ready for Jesus. And while he's looking out, he sees this uh, old, this veteran who's shoveling snow, and he looks really cold. And and he's, he's uh, says, "Well, you know what?" Wow, this guy has been shoveling snow for a while. I'm sure he's probably really cold. So he calls him in and offers him some warm, something warm to drink. And he's still excited about the idea Jesus is coming, you know. So he's really uplifted and high because of that. So then the guy has his little uh, warm, warm uh, drink, and then he goes on his way. And then as he's looking, he's still doing his work. He sees out the window this lady is shivering with no coat on, carrying her baby who's only in a blanket and walking past the, the uh, shoemaker's uh, store. So he comes out and says, what are you doing? Come in, it's cold out here. And she says, well, um, I, I just didn't, don't have a coat and my husband is in the service and it's just me and my baby. So he says, come on in. And he, he gives the lady his coat so she can be nice and warm. He gives her something to eat, and he gives the baby some warm milk to drink, and they feel nice and toasty, and so he goes ahead and lets them, after they get comfortable and everything, and then the baby, um, he, the, he had made some little shoes for the baby, so he puts little shoes on, it, and they fit perfectly, so he lets the baby, they go, and then after a little bit, wow, he's wondering, man, it's about three four. 3.30 or so. I wonder if Jesus is coming or so. And of a sudden he hears a ruckus outside. There's a lady, an older lady outside who has this bushel of apples and she's selling the apples and a little boy comes up and takes an apple and he sees uh, the, her yelling at him and fussing at him and she's like, wait, he comes out and wait a minute, wait a minute, what happened? And the boy says, I don't have anything to eat. I just wanted an apple. I'm so, I apologize. I'm sorry. So the man feet gives her money for an apple and the, baby, and the little boy gets to have an apple. And so he's thinking about these experiences as he goes in. And it's about 7 o'clock now. He hears these kids across the street in the orphanage. This is Christmas Eve. And they're drifting off, and he hears them getting settled in. He has all these shoes that he has just made, just in case he can get the right size for Jesus. And he realizes those kids across uh, in the orphanage probably don't have any so he goes across, and, he, and while they're sleeping late in, in the evening, he puts shoes by each one of their beds. Then he comes in, he's getting ready for bed, and he says, I guess I heard it wrong. And all of a sudden, the image the, of everyone who he helps comes up. And Jesus says, thank you. For the, those you fed me, you brought me in, and you gave me a coat. That what you've done for the least of them, you've done for me. That's the kind of heart we're meant to have. Not a heart that's going to give to somebody who can give back. All of those people weren't in a space where they could give back to him. That, and he felt so full when he came in, but he, he felt disappointed because he missed the experience to have Jesus in his life. And when he saw all those images, he realized he always had Jesus in his life. And we do too. There's always an opportunity to somehow extend to someone who cannot extend back to you. And when you open your heart up to do that, you are the banquet. It's not, that you imbi- it's not just that you invite people to come into your house. You go out and be it to them. You go out and invite yourself into people's lives to be an expression to them. Does that make sense? Now let's go metaphysically. There are aspects inside of us that need to be strengthened. So coming to a feast means to go before the the presence where, first of all, it's a wedding feast, and a wedding feast is a union. That's the union between your soul and your body coming together. And the union between your soul and your body is your eating. We did communion last Saturday where we took in the word of God, which was the substance that creates. And then we drank of the blood, the, the uh, spirit of God, which activates that substance. Well, when you go to a feast, the feast represents that union of the word coming together and the spirit coming together and you becoming the life of the word. And so that's your body, your soul, your conscious mind, your heart, your thinking mind, your feeling mind, and your body expressing it. But when you go inside to partake, in those areas of your consciousness that are already in alignment, those aren't the areas that you, that you invite. You invite the areas that are the weak parts of yourself, the things that you need to be working on, that's the parts that you invite, which represents the crippled people, the lame people, the blind people. So those parts of you that, are not, that have a difficulty being the expression of it, that have a difficulty walking in the expression of it, and that have a difficulty seeing the expression of the word of God within you. Jesus is inviting us to come to the table of God and purify those weak parts of ourselves just as powerfully as we already have the strong parts of ourselves. Does that make sense? So you see the story. You image the story. You get the message of the story. The message comes alive in your life so that you see the sto- you in the story but then you bring it to your conscious mind and see how your conscious mind is the story as well. And when all of those things line up, you've experienced the heavenly message, the heavenly meaning of that earthly story. Does that make sense? So the greatest pieces of this is that when you walk in a humble confidence, a humble humility of God, you will always be okay with going in the back and being the supporting role. You will always be okay with being hospitable instead of reciprocal. And you will always see the presence of God in everyone and seek an opportunity to demonstrate the presence of you, which you are a present of God. And as you demonstrate your presence of God, you become a present to others. Amen? Amen. I am a present of God. Together? I am a presence of God. As I demonstrate my presence, I become a present. together. As I demonstrate my presence, I become a present. So I, I challenge us to move into a deeper state of humility so that we won't have humiliation. <laughs> and of honor, that you honor the biggest parts of yourself by putting yourself in alignment with others and loving others just as powerfully as you do yourself. And that you open up your heart to be hospitable to those who cannot give back just as powerfully as those who can. Amen? Amen. Thank you.
0: My soul sings out as your word throws down far away I sing to you and my heart cries holy hallelujah speak.
2: feel uplifted today? Yes. Yes. Woo! You you clap again. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So let's go ahead and gently close your eyes and bring to mind what you feel led to give for your love offering for today's service. Take a deep breath. (sighs) And if you want to keep your eyes closed, you may. Otherwise, you can open your eyes and, and say our love offering blessing together. Divine love through me, blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. Thank you, God, amen. Let's stand up so we can say our um, prayer for protection. Uh. And you know what, I'm feeling led to pray, so let's gently close your eyes and bring to mind someone who you are praying with. Send your, your consciousness back down into your heart. Feel their presence. See their face. Call their name out. Dion, Ashley, James, John. And as you call their names out, we're gonna pray. I'll pray as you call the names out, and the prayer will catch the names of those persons and magnify their hearts. God, we thank you so much for being the answer to every single prayer request for the names that are being called out into this prayer. We see ourselves in a virtual prayer circle, touching and agreeing that you're bringing together and working together the highest and greatest good for everyone who we are praying with. We thank you, God, for being their source, being their love, being their healing, being their prosperity, being anything that they actually feel that they need, and bringing their consciousness into a greater expression of you. We lift this prayer in the mighty name and nature of the indwelling Christ, thanking you for answering it before we even said it. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's go ahead and affirm our prayer for protection together. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well.